Welcome to Scott in the Second. The real estate stories. Unfiltered, unedited. I'm Scott Eckhoff, managing broker at Foundations Realty, powering rival real estate and 5281 Exclusive Homes Realty. I appreciate you joining. Let's get started. Well, welcome back to Scott in a Second. I'm Scott Eckhoff here, managing broker for Foundations Realty, powering rival real estate, 5281 Exclusive Homes Realty. We are starting a new series. This is going to be just a two-part series. This is rent versus buy. So what are you getting out of renting and why should you buy? And can you actually buy? So in the first series here, we're going to talk about renting and buying some things that um, people enjoy about renting and what people enjoy about buying, how to overcome some of those hurdles and those myths, and is the time now? When do you buy? And then I've got some really cool information to share at the very end for you on what I like to call Renters Roundtable that our company does to help people renting have an open forum for discussion to share knowledge and create a plan if you do want to buy. So really fun. And then our second episode, we will talk about that path to home ownership and how do you get from point A to point B. So thank you for listening. I appreciate you tuning in again. It's been really fun. So let's jump right into rent versus buy. <clears throat> it's going to be one of those days with my throat. It only happens when I get in here and start chatting. So why do you rent? There, there could be a million reasons. Now, renting doesn't have to mean you rent an apartment. It could be a townhouse, a home. Maybe you want a duplex and you want to rent both sides. It's, it's all about not owning where you live. So what comes from that? So a few things we can think of is... Let's make it simple, right? I might rent because when something breaks, I don't have to fix it. So if the handle on the refrigerator falls off for nothing due to my negligence, I walk downstairs, I call the landlord, whatever it may be, and I say, hey, look what happened. This broke. And they send someone up and they fix it or they replace it. Now, that doesn't cost much money. So you don't have those liabilities. You don't have that overhead to fix things when they break due to wear and tear. Now I might also rent because there could be amenities I cannot get if I was to purchase. Do I have an apartment with a game room and a pool and all these other things? Now, yes, you can buy a condo with the same stuff, but maybe not as much. And I'm not paying that HOA due. So I'm renting to decrease, potentially decrease, some of my overhead that would come with having the similar amenities or having to pay for certain things and not have that price tag on it. You might rent for location. Maybe <clears throat> there's a certain area that you want to live in and there's just either a no affordable homes to buy or maybe there's just nothing that you like, but you you found this amazing home or this amazing apartment and you thought this is exactly where I want to be. So I'm going to go ahead and rent. Why not? It's where I want to be. These are my options and renting outweighs my options. Perfectly makes sense, right? It could be that you are in a temporary situation. You might only be stationed somewhere for your job uh, for six months or a year, or maybe you're moving from a, another state and you think, you know, I don't know, you know, state B very well. So I want to I want to rent somewhere and kind of get a feel for the areas, go and explore. And once I get my feet wet and I know what I like, then I can purchase. All these are really good reasons. 
it's not that renting is a bad thing. By all means, you should do whatever you want to do and what makes you feel good. However, the amount of money people are paying today in rent really is quite high in the fact that you don't have any equity and no asset to take away from that. So if you were to pass away or if you decided to leave something for somebody, there's nothing there to leave. You can't leave them your apartment. They, they don't get anything from that. You're paying for somebody else's home, for somebody else's townhouse. You're paying for them to make money because chances are you're paying more than their mortgage because otherwise you're not going to get that loan. So yes, there are a lot of good reasons and, and it should always be part of your plan is to rent, find out what you like, what you don't like, where you like, and what kind of things you need in your life to live the lifestyle that you want. There should be no stigma attached to wanting to do that. But just keep in mind that all of this money that you're spending every month is going to some corporation, to some investor, to some other person to make money for them. And it's not building equity in your life. So why would you buy? People buy for one of the number one reasons it is theirs. Yes, if you have a mortgage, the bank also owns a stake in that. However, it is your home. You are building equity. Excuse me. It is something that you have control over. <coughs> Sorry about that today. So when you rent, you could paint your walls. Then you could paint them back. When you own, you have control over what color do I want my walls? Do I want a wall there? What do I want to do with my kitchen? Do I want carpet, hardwood floors? Do I want both? <clears throat> you have such flexibility in taking something and making it yours. And that is such an attractive thing. So you're not only building this equity, you're building it for you. Now, granted, you might sell it and people think, oh, what did you do? This house has lime green walls. The kitchen's upside down. I, I would never give them $1,000 for it. And that's a risk that you take when you customize it too much. But certain things that you can work around and depersonalize that home when you sell it. And we'll talk about that in another episode. But that is one of the advantages of owning. It is yours to do with. You want to put a flower bed in your yard. You want to have no grass. You might want to have half grass and half rock. It's, it's really up to you. You want to have that dog, you're not paying that pet deposit. You may pay for it when it runs around and all, all the grass is gone, but that's okay. Little pea gravel solves that problem real easy. You know, wood chips, whatever you need. It, it's yours to do with as you like. <clears throat> Another thing you can use it for as, as our lives change, maybe you're a small business owner. In order to grow your business, you need some cash in hand. You need that purchase power to grow and, and, and make your business something of your own. Well, you can do that with your home because you have equity, you have collateral. So now you can borrow against your home to do things in your life that you couldn't do before. You might want to take a vacation. That cruise that is $5,000 to go on, you may not have. But if you take out a home equity line of credit or any type of loan, you have this a capability. Now, not saying just because you have a home, you can do it, but generally a, a purchase of a home gives you these avenues that other people that are renting don't have. So it really opens up some really great advantages that you don't have unless you own. And at the end of the day, 
it's supposed to be the American dream. You have a home, you can create your future there, and this is what we are, you know, pounded in our heads to do, is to have this. And I think that although just because we're told to do something doesn't mean we should do it, I do feel that home ownership gives you advantages that not owning does. <clears throat> Before I go on to some hurdles and myths about how to get there, I'll kind of give you my personal story. So we own in Colorado and I love it. It's a corner lot. It's it's a lot of yard. The idea of zero escape is, is so not true. You still get weeds and with weeds comes a lot of work. So don't don't listen to that. Weeds just manage to grow anywhere. But because we had opened a second office out here in the Kansas City area, I had to stay somewhere. So we are renting an apartment. Now, I have not lived in apartments since I was much, much younger. Let's just, uh, let's call it that, much younger. And it is definitely a lifestyle that it has its perks. You know, I've got this fun game room and the pool and rooftop uh, entertainment area that even if, you know, it was a condo I may or may not have, um, However, it comes with a very eclectic group of people, uh, no responsibility, no pride in ownership. There's a lot of downfalls that this living in apartment brings, including very loud people above me uh, and next to me and in the hallway. And it's, this is why I do my podcast in this closet, because it's literally pretty much soundproof in here. <clears throat> so when I look at the two and I'm living the life of both renting and buying, I would never consider renting again unless I was opening an office, let's say, when we do our Washington office. I might want to rent for six months and then decide, do we want to buy an inexpensive condo or a little home somewhere that's in a reasonable area with a uh, commute so we're not paying rent when we go up there to do work, right? So that would be one of the options. But the ownership of knowing whenever time I come home from work in Denver and I walk through that door... It's mine. The good, the bad, you know, this needs to be fixed, that needs to be fixed. I can control that and I own that and it, it just feels great. So there is a substantial difference when you own and you rent. <clears throat> so let's, let's talk about some hurdles or some myths that are out there that may be keeping you from buying right now. So one of the hurdles could be down payment. I don't have enough money to buy a home. Okay, well, tell me how much is enough money? Is it 5,000, 10,000, 30,000? How much is enough? What what do you think you need? Cuz that kind of corresponds with the myth that you must have 20% to put down. So let's let's consider the hurdle and the myth as a entity together. It is simply not true. 20% is great. Obviously, the more you put down, the easier it is to get financed, the lower your payments, so on and so forth, right? However, you can get a loan as low as 3% down, and you can get down payment assistance if you qualify from most states to help cover that. So if you're buying a $200,000 property, 3% down is 6000 you might be able to get a portion of that covered. So now your down is even less. And typically you need at least 1,000 or 1%. It varies. I'm not, I'm not quoting any laws or giving any specifics, just talking in generalities. 
That is money that you can save in a six-month period, three-month period, a year, depending on what your circumstances. It is not a far-fetched number. As long as you keep your credit score 620, 640 and higher, you really have a lot of options at your fingertips. You know, and, and maybe you say, okay, well, I make a lot of money. My credit's not the best. So, you know, I'm, I'm really not working toward that. Well, what, what's, what's not the best, right? If you've got the money and your credit's not the best, what can we do to get that credit better? There are various lenders and various programs that allow your credit score to go lower than you think. <clears throat> now, we tend to say the number 640, 620. I've heard from lenders there are certain programs at 580. You know, it really depends. And, and like I said, don't quote me. I'm not a lender. But the idea that I don't have enough money should not be a reason to stop you from having something that you own, that you worked hard to to deserve so let's talk about that let's talk about how i get over this hurdle and what do i need to get over it and that is what your realtor does and that's what your lender does for you you know there's this other myth that i'm self-employed i i can't buy something for five years well, that's that's not true. We need to have two years of tax returns. You need to have information showing that you are a self-employed, stable person that has a history of bringing money in. Or maybe you're a W-2 and you're like, oh, I just changed jobs. I, I, can't, I can't get a loan for another year. Once again, not true. If you are a, uh, I don't know, a, a school teacher and you go from school A to school B, are you still a school teacher? So your career didn't change. The profession that you're in doesn't change. So if you are moving jobs, but not necessarily changing a career path or a career identity, as long as you can show that, yes, I have this job lined up, or yes, I'm switching on this date, and here's my offer letter, your, your history is not changing because the viability of you being able to repay that loan is going to be there. So couple hurdles, couple myths that you have, right? We've already thrown out a few. Ask yourself, if I switched my job and I'm in the same career and I have $5,000 in the bank and I have a decent credit score, now ask yourself, what is standing in your way to want to buy? What is it? it is it because uh, A, B, and C? Is it you know, X, Y, and Z, you really need to sit down and, and figure out kind of what that is. And is there another myth or another hurdle? There's a ton of them out there, but those are the big ones that I find. Um, you know, there's the hurdle love or the, the idea that if I buy, I have to stay here forever. I have to hold on to the home for 10, 20, 30 years. You don't. Now, there are certain times when the market is at a certain level that Purchasing it and wanting to sell it in a year or two may not be beneficial, but life is life. Sometimes we need to do that. And you may not make $100,000. You may make $25,000. You may not make anything. Those are the risks that we take because we can't justify and we can't predict where we're going to go and why we do things. But you don't need to hold on to the house. Now, certain times if you have a particular type of loan like FHA, you really need to wait 90 days. So if something major comes up in your life, we want to wait those 90 days so then it can be purchased by another person under the same program. I don't have all the details. I'm not a lender, but these ideas of what you can't do, you probably can. 
Maybe you find old homes that you love but need work. There are rehab loans that you can take. So the bank says, okay, I'm going to give you this much to buy it. I know you need money to fix it. And this is the equity at the end of the day. Hey, you're a good risk. Let's do it. So maybe that's the type of loan you want to go for. There's just so many options and there's so much out there in the world for you to, to make yours and to take that dream and realize it for it to be true. Don't stand in the way of a hurdle. Jump over it. Take your resources. Email me at scottatherealestatestories.com. Let's talk about the resources you need to get you to the finish line. So now we've overcome all of those. <clears throat> we've had a cup of coffee, a glass of wine, water, whatever your choice is. I'm going to have a drink of my wine real quick. <clears throat> so now your next question to me is, Scott, when is the time to buy? <clears throat> I hear that spring and summer, the prices are higher. There's more competition. I hear that in the winter, there's not as much competition. However, there's not anything to find. <clears throat> you know, there's, there's a, million, a million things that are out there. So let me ask you this. When do you want to buy? The answer is you buy when you want to. So let's go over some of the things right now that might have you concerned. Are there enough homes to buy? You know what? In all honesty, inventory as of today, and today is the 30th of November. So you'll be listening to this tomorrow, December 1st, which is now would be today for you. So happy December 1st. Yes, inventory is a little bit lower. We are in that late fall, early winter time. So people have the holidays. They have whatever the, the things that typically cause people not to want to make a life-changing decision. It does bring down inventory a little bit. However, inventory is staying on the market a little bit longer. So longer days on the market with increased homes coming on really gives you a little bit more options to choose from. And you don't have to buy today. If you don't like it, keep waiting, but don't give up. Don't put it on hold because you don't think that house is going to be there. Be active and proactive and work with your agent to find that home. So now we got that out of the way. <clears throat> the next big one's going to be interest rates. The interest rates are too high. Well, in all honesty, they are higher than they were six months ago. They are higher than they've been over the past year and a half or so, a couple years. Yes, we're not at 3%, 3 and a quarter. You know, even I think VA dropped down to 2.75. You're right. They're at six and a half, I believe, today. And it's not that bad. So I'm going to kind of take interest rates and competition. I'm going to put these into one. If we go back a year and a half and you're getting 3.25%, 3, you know, three and a half percent, you were also competing for a $500,000 home against 20 other people wanting to pay $600,000 for this home and you didn't get it. So we, we can't have both. We can't say I want a three and a half, 3 3.2, 3% interest rate and I don't want to overpay for a house. I wouldn't pay what the house is really worth. So if it's a $500,000 home, market value is $500,000, I want that with 3% interest. It, it doesn't work. It's, it's not going to work. When we have more money to buy, 
we're going to buy more. And when that we're buying more, there's less inventory and there's more people wanting to capitalize on this opportunity. It becomes what it was. That was not a sustainable model. So you're sitting here thinking, well, I'm renting. Why would I want to be one of those six and a half percent people? Well, here's why. If you're paying six and a half percent on a $500,000 house that has been sitting on the market for 27 days, A, you might get it for 490000 You might get it for 485000 Or you might get it for 500000 So let's just go with five hundred. You're not competing. You do your inspection. You have the ability to ask for more because people are not giving away their rights to get the home anymore. And you paid 6.5%. A year from now, year and a half, two years, whatever that number is, the home is going to be worth more. Most likely, homes continue to appreciate. They do dip. They come back up, right? It's an investment. There's there's ebbs and flows. However, it's going to go up. But guess what? When that interest rate drops to 5.5%, you can refinance. So now you've, you know, not only could you refinance, you might want to chop off a 30-year mortgage down to 15 years and save even more money. You cannot refinance overpriced competition on a house that you bought at $100,000 over ask at 3.25%. The bank doesn't say, sorry that you paid that much. Let us just wipe off $50,000 of that so you feel better. It, It doesn't work that way. So now, yes, you have a lower interest rate, but you're paying $100,000 over the value of that home. So when you go to sell it, if you have to turn around and sell it now, chances are you may not make much on it, if anything. So did you really save any money? The answer is no. And the additional money that you saved on interest, you're paying up the other side and you're paying that for 30 years. I get it. It's scary when you see those numbers, you know, so... Don't say I'm going to rent for six more months and give my money to some uh, somebody else to make money off of and put in their bank account or a year. Say, what do I need to do to make a manageable payment and still find a home I love? Chances are you're going to find that home now and not get as frustrated and rent anyway. So many people could not get a home when they came out. They ended up renting for another year and now they're renting again because they're afraid of the interest rates. Don't let what the news and what everybody else is tripping your ear tell you. Look at the numbers. Speak to your realtor. Look at what the value of the homes are. Speak to your lender and see what that payment looks like. And look at your bank account and say, what am I comfortable doing? That's really what it comes down to. And and look at it this way. We're all afraid of this recession or staying in a recession whatever you want to consider the market, right? Our economy is doing A, B, and C. It is a time that should be of some, I wouldn't say concern. I would say it requires our attention right now. If we all go into our caves and we stop buying and we stop selling our homes and we continue to spend money on other things that just don't increase the welfare of the economy, it's not going to get better and things are going to get worse. To fix this, we need to stand strong against the government and show them that we are reasonable people and we understand we need to pay reasonable dollars for homes and that that comes with a small fee of our interest rates. 
and we're still going to go to local business and we're still going to go to stores and we're still going to spend our money and we're going to save a little. It's okay. Let's save a little bit, but let's continue to go out there and be responsible with those dollars and bring back what we need. When you're doing that in a rental, you're not going to get anything out of it. So don't sit and hesitate. Don't let the myths go around and stop you from making a move that will benefit you in the future. So all of this kind of stuff got our company to thinking, and we had a really great group of agents that came up with some good ideas now in our Denver office. And I'm going to roll it out here in uh, Kansas City. I'm going to do it both uh, locally, and I'm going to do it via, oh my gosh, excuse me, via Zoom. And we call it a renter's roundtable. And I might play around with the name a little bit. But the concept is we discuss options in the market at the time that we have the meeting. What is that interest rate? What are payments like? What programs can you utilize? Um, And we tailor it to the people in the meeting. We tailor it to your needs and to your resources. And there's a lender there. You can get an application done on the spot. Get that pre-approval. And we have realtors there ready to help you start looking. It's an amazing forum. It's it's informal. You know, it's a, it's really designed for you to take this type of a podcast today and say, here's why I'm not ready to buy or what's standing in my way, but I do want to buy. Can I do it? And we, we figure out if you can or can't. And if you can't, what do you need to get to that point? It's great. I don't have the date yet for the Zoom one or for the local one in person at their uh, rival real estate office. But email me, scott at realestatestories.com, and I will send you that link when we're ready to get registration done. It's a great idea. If you know people, it, it's, it's amazing the information that you can find out to get this done. So kind of summarizing everything. Now is the time. Now is the time because you want to buy. It's not wait until you think you should buy. It's always time to buy because you want to buy. But you just need to make educated decisions with your realtor and your lender to make sure you're getting where you need to be in the appropriate path that makes you happy. Renting is not something that's bad, but it should be a temporary item for you to get to the next level and to get that home and build that equity for your future. I really appreciate you listening. This is a lot of fun. I can't wait till the next one. It's going to be Path to Home Ownership. And that's going to go over, now that you decided to buy, what you need to do to buy. A lot of fun steps and kind of the process over it, things you need to have handy so you're not feeling stressed about it. It's just going to be a really fun um, episode two to this series. And remember, I am Scott Eckhoff. I'm a managing broker here at Foundations Realty. We power rival real estate in the Kansas City area, serving Missouri and Kansas, and 5281 Exclusive Homes Realty in Lakewood, doing the Denver metro area. We grow our businesses as realtors because you tell other people about us. So drop me that email, scott at therealestatestories.com. Tell someone to drop me an email. I'd love to work with you, help you with information, get you in front of a lender, get you the renter's roundtable event dates so you can join. Whatever that you need don't hesitate to reach out to me. Continue to listen. We'll be back next Thursday, same time, same place. And I'm working on a little uh, surprise Tuesday release. Kind of teased about it last time. I'm not quite there yet of what to do. So if you have any ideas, email those to me. Or if you 
are clicking through Facebook or Instagram and you've clicked through there, leave me a comment on something and I'll make sure I incorporate that. But this has been a lot of fun. I hope you learned something today and I look forward to talking to you next week. Path to Home Ownership, the episode two in the series, Rent versus Buy. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Scott in a Second, the real estate stories, unfiltered, unedited. I'm Scott Eckhoff, managing broker at Foundations Realty, powering rival real estate in the Kansas City metro area and 5281 exclusive homes realty in the Denver metro area. Stay tuned for next week. Always release Thursday at 9 a.m.